Welcome to Roaming West River. I am Jeff. And I'm Miranda, coming to you today from Badlands National Park in South Dakota. Jeff, can you tell our listeners what we're doing today? Well, today we're inside the Visitor Center, named after Ben Rifle in Badlands National Park. We're going to interview Lydia Jones and Paul Ogren. So once again, we're going to shelve our normal intro banter and get to it. Paul, tell us a little bit about yourself, and welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> this is my 16th season here. I'm seasonal, and I'm a volunteer, so I get out here about the middle of April, and I'm here to about approximately the end of September, the last week or so. I've been coming out here, for, I live in Minneapolis, so I've been coming out here, which is only four hours, eight hours away, and I've been coming out here for many, many years, 40 plus years. Awesome. And I lost my job. I was a TV broadcast engineer for 37 years in Minneapolis, and they booted us old guys out, and I called the park and talked my way in. I didn't know anybody. They didn't know me, but I knew the park very well, and I got out here started in 2008. Awesome. And about a month here in the park, I thought, this is so over my head, they're going to boot me out here, <laughs> and I'm here for my 16th season. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I've observed Paul often he does a great job out here and Lydia what about you um, so I am a seasonal park ranger here at Badlands and this is my third season uh, back here at the park uh, my background was initially in biology that's what my degree was in um, and I came here through the scientist and in park internship program that's what my first uh, season here was um, and I just absolutely fell in love with it decided to stick around came back as a park ranger um, and hopefully they'll keep having me back uh, but it's an amazing place and I'm really excited to be here um, yeah. So when the season's over, where do you go? So during the off-season, I've done different things. Um, I also have a background in museum work. So mm -hmm. my first winter season here, I worked at a museum for the state of North Carolina. Okay. And then uh, this last winter season, I worked on the education team at Rocky Mountain National Park. Oh, nice. um, leading snowshoe field trips with uh, youth, mostly. Awesome. And it was super fun. So. Cool. Uh, the Badlands are all laid down by water. And this was a big bowl area here at one time. We have no dinosaurs here. I ask the kids all the time, how come we don't have any dinosaurs here? And one kid about a year ago raised his hand and said, because they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which made the crowd, I uh, told the kid, shut up and get your own act, all right? <laughs> and so we have dinosaurs are land animals. So this was a big bowl area here. And under the after the seaway dissipated, so it was the Rocky Mountains and the Black Hills built up, plate tectonics, mountain building. Seaway dissipated, washed away, took about a million years for the sea to go away. So what visitors see around here, what they think is the bottom of the sea, I thought that for many years. Mm -hmm. Before I asked somebody, I just assumed it was the bottom of the sea. It's not. What you see out here in the Badlands has been laid down since the seaway left by rivers and streams from the west who flowed in here over a long time and built up all these layers. So water laid all this down. The erosion started about 500,000 years ago. It'll take about another 500,000, it'll be gone. So every time it rains, it washes away a little bit more of the sediment. That's why we find, one of the reasons we find all the fossils. The more rain we get, the more sediment washes away and exposes more fossils. The last summer was very, very hot and dry, if you guys remember. Mm -hmm. I do. People were still finding fossils. I mean, it just doesn't happen like that. Right. But people were finding fossils like they still do. 
So water layer, I keep telling visitors, each one of these layers that you see, it's a time period. Mm-hmm. The higher we go, the younger it is. The lower we go, the older it is. It's called uh, superposition, same thing in archaeology. The deeper you go finding something, that is predominantly the older, and the higher you go is the younger. But an avalanche of earthquake, and a good geologist can see that, that it's been shuffled around a little bit. Generally, the lower you go, the older it is. And anybody doing archaeology or geology would see that. They would see the, right. see the issue there. Yeah. Do you, uh, uh, do you do the fossil talk? I do, yeah. You so, want to tell us a little bit about when it is, where it is, so people can sure. Yeah, so we have daily fossil talks. Um, we're doing them at the Fossil Exhibit Trail this year, which is awesome. Um, and they're every single day at 1030. And then if we have enough staff, it's kind of on a, a day-by-day basis. Um, if we have enough staffing, we'll also do a talk at 130 at the Fossil Exhibit Trail. Um, and it changes out different rangers each day, so we all rotate. Um, that's one of the cool things about the job is we all get to do different talks. Right. Um, so different ranger each day. Um, same general idea, talking about the fossils that we find here in Badlands, um, either you know bringing replicas or going around the boardwalk. Um, depends. But, yeah, um, learning about the fossils that we find here and then also educating people on what to do if they find a fossil. Um, like Paul was mentioning, we have visitors find fossils in the summer on pretty much a daily basis. Wow. Um, so it's very Great. exciting. Um, a lot of our really interesting finds are come from visitors. So, right. so if people wanted to see this, they have to be yeah. there, say, 10, 15 to be early. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. it's on the maps, on the loop that goes through the exactly. Badlands. So it's marked the Fossil Trail. Yeah, area. Fossil that, Exhibit Trail. And yeah. then there's trailheads there, too, for hiking. We'll do that a exactly. little bit later. So yeah. since you touched on that, um, what people should do, yeah. can you can you tell our listeners? Elaborate. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so the most important thing to do if you find a fossil is leave it where it is. Um, you know, don't disturb the site. A good portion of the scientific information that our paleontologists need comes from the site itself. Fossils are also fragile. Um, they can be easily broken, so we want to make sure they're excavated properly. We want to make sure there's, um, see if there's any more material around that fossil. Um, and we also date the fossils based on the layer that we find them in. So if we don't know what layer they're in, we don't know how old they are, we lose a lot of that scientific information. Right. Um, so leave them where they are. But take photos if you can. Pretty much everybody these days can drop a pin, um, you know, on their phone, a GPS coordinate. So if you can get that for us, that's super awesome. And then you can come tell park rangers at the Ben Rifle Visitor Center. We have a special form that you can fill out. Uh, we'll take your photo and put it on our Fossil Finder Wall of Fame. You get a cool <laughs> little patch with a saber-toothed cat-like animal on it. Um, and we'll, we have an email that you can send photos to. Um, and that's badlands underscore fossil underscore finds at NPS. Gov. Um, and if for whatever reason you're not able to come back to the visitor center to fill out that official form, um, you can go ahead and send information and photos to that email as well. Awesome. So um, to follow up on the fossil talk, so I, I've done, I've been coming here a lot of years doing tours. So I've, I don't know that I've seen Ky, uh, Lydia do one, but I've seen Paul do it and a couple other fellows there. And they are all slightly different, but yeah. mm-hmm. they do draw a nice crowd and they're very informative and very interesting. Mm-hmm. But the, your, your poster girl for Do the Right Thing yes. is, is Kylie. And this is the first year I ever heard anybody refer to it as Kylie's cat. Yes. So I'm <laughs> teeing that one up for Paul to tell us a little really? bit about this story. <laughs> I've been saying that for a long time. <laughs> Sometimes I don't listen. <laughs> we've, heard, we've noticed that. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a young lady named Kylie Ferguson. 
She was seven years old, and this was 13 years ago. And she was doing her junior ranger program right outside our front door, a little bit to the right by the picnic tables. And her father was a geologist, and she wanted to be a paleontologist. And I was here when that happened. Lydia wasn't. And um, she saw a little strange thing sticking out of the, the sand out there, under the hill there, and she did the right thing. She didn't touch it, told somebody about it. Originally, they thought it was a common oreodont, which is a very common mammal here. It's very, very common. We have lots of them. And the back of the skulls look very similar. So some of the paleo people said, well, we'll get to it one of these days. Yeah, we got lots of them. We got other things to do. After about some rain, I don't know if it was a week or two, some rain, and there's some pictures in the lab where you can see the fangs beginning to show because of the er erosion. And as soon as they saw that, they knew that was not an oreodont. And we've had them before, but this one is just in spectacular condition. So it came out, and they found more fossils there, and they cleaned it up pretty good, and it was amazing. And the only thing that disturbs me about the whole thing is I was supposed to find that fossil. <laughs> a seven-year-old child outfoxed me and beat me to it. Well, I know we walked through the the fossil prep lab and I overheard one of the ladies, the technicians in there saying that most of the fossils that are found are found by children. Yep. Yeah. And visitors yeah. find more of it. And I tell, tell that to visitors today. I just told them today, we only have so many people. Yep. Right. And the visitors can go anywhere they want. They can climb up anything, fall off anything, they go off any trail, da 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 da, da. And we only have so many people. So most of them are found by visitors. Right. I think some of the bigger ones, kind of the more spectacular ones out way out in the boonies, are probably found by staff. Oh, okay. I would imagine so. And so that was, you know, it was a big PR hit. It was a big, big, big deal yeah. when Kylie found that. She's a celebrity. Yeah, oh, she sure. made the news over in Rapid City. She made the news back in Georgia. There's a couple yeah. of pictures of her in the, she's not seven years old anymore. Right. And she's an adult now. And um, I don't know if she ever did become a paleontologist. People always ask that. We need to find out what she's doing these days. Yeah. And so I was Kylie, just joking. If you're listening, yes. give us a call. Let us know. <laughs> I know a couple years back they did a PBS episode that she was in and came back as a as a young adult. You know, yeah. Yeah, like 2019. Her yeah, picture and her sister, like I think. I believe so. Yep. Yeah. And we kind of joke sometimes that if she does become a paleontologist, and of course we're joking, and I always say this to visitors. Her career as a paleontologist is going to go like this. She peaked at seven. She yeah. peaked at seven. Because if she does find anything more spectacular than that, that's going to be very unusual. And of course, yeah. we're all kidding. We hope right. that she has the best success in the world. Right. Maybe someday she'll come work here. But uh, again, I was supposed to find that fossil. <laughs> <laughs> and her career probably is going to go downhill. But, <laughs> right. but of course, we're kidding about that. Yeah. You know, we all wished her the best of luck. Nicest family, I guess. I remember meeting them. And just the P big PR hit for the park. That's it was awesome. a PR hit. You couldn't script. Yeah. You yeah. couldn't script that, that is... PR park, that uh, PR event. That's awesome. Okay, so my big question for you guys, well, well it's one of my big questions. They're all big to me. <laughs> what is your number one favorite Badlands hike that you recommend to visitors? I think for me, mine is probably Door Trail. 
Okay. Um, yeah, I just think it's it's a really neat hike, um, and the neat thing about it is it's accessible to most visitors. Mm-hmm. So yep. pretty much anybody can do at least the first half of the trail. It's okay. on a boardwalk, um, and then there's a bench and a great view out into the Badlands. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's that you know kind of exactly what you're thinking of when you're thinking of the Badlands. This otherworldly terrain looks right. like you're on the surface of another planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for people that want to adventure a little bit more, you can go off past that boardwalk and follow a series of posts that lead you out into the formations, you know, a little bit of Mm -hmm. up and down, um, kind of going through this terrain. Um, And then obviously we're open hike, so you can explore safely um, a little bit off the trail there as well if you choose to. Um, So it's just a really neat kind of starting off point to really get out into the formations without having to go too far. So it's accessible to a lot of visitors. Even if you only, you know, have an hour to drive through the Badlands, you can stop, walk out to the edge of the door, take a look, get back in your car. Yeah, there's a great parking lot too with lots of and yeah, a lot of Spots. other trails start from that same parking lot. So if you have more time, you can continue on on some of the others. So. Yeah. And I, I could not agree with that any more than because that's yeah. exactly mm-hmm. you get through there. Like, well, okay, you're not very mobile. You don't want to go out there, but you can go through you the door. You yep. can see it. And then the first time I went out there, so the people I was with, they took my picture and I showed it to my wife. And I said, hey, you know, if I leave this world before you do, here's here's my funeral photo because it says end of the trail, end of the trail. <laughs> yeah. so, well, yeah. I will say, too, I'm glad that you mentioned that it's open hike and you can, because I have done that, the, yeah. it, but I, I thought that you probably shouldn't leave the trail. So, <laughs> And I will say, you know, that's very rare check on a park by park basis mm-hmm. most parks you do not want to do that mm-hmm. most parks you want to stay on the trail um so we're kind of a rare exception mm. yeah that's i'm glad that you mentioned that what about you paul well i like the door trail too but mm-hmm. i have a little longer hike it's called the medicine route loop trail okay it's a four mile loop off the little gravel road um it's fairly flat and you can see sometimes you can see some big orange sheep at the far end you go down and makes kind of a circle and you can go right or left. It's four miles. I happen to own the world record and the park record for mm-hmm. walking that. Really? No one can beat me. I've tried but, to coach. I've talked to the younger folks here, and nobody will take my time on. What's your time? One hour, six minutes, and 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, one foot on the ground at all times, and I did not run, and I stayed on the trail. Gotcha. And a good some of the thing about that trail is uh, most people come back. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we find most people that go off that. Well, you, uh, now you know someone's listening, and they're gonna they're gonna take you up on your. No one challenge. can beat me. I'll, 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 even, I'll even coach. I'm I'm old as some of these people's grandfathers, <laughs> and I've offered to some people to coach them. <laughs> and I slowly worked up to that. Mm-hmm. I think my first time that I timed it was an hour and 20 or hour 22. And I got that down to an hour 6 and 30. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time walking for about two weeks Because <laughs> I would do it, and then I noticed the first I think I'm going to time this. So make a long story short, the first time I timed it, it was about an hour, 20, hour 22 or something like that. So I go out every week and just try to do it a little bit faster. And no running and stayed on the on the trail and came back and I finally got it down to 106.30. Awesome. I'll take on all challengers <laughs> and I'll even I'll even coach. And I'll give up my world and park title if it can be beat. Okay, do you guys have a favorite hike that isn't in the Badlands like in this area, West Ooh. River somewhere? 
Mine's probably Black Elk Peak. Okay. Yeah, I, I love that one. It's just so beautiful, um, and I've done it a couple times with family and friends that have yeah. visited. Um, the view is great, and the hike along the way is just really pretty. I remember going up one time when there was the fresh raspberries growing on the side oh, of the trail, yeah. and it just smelled so good, and it was, yeah, beautiful. Awesome. We've both, we've done that too, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? I, I don't think I have one outside a trail that I can think of. I hiked in the Black Hills a couple of years ago. I think Jeff knows this. And for the first time in my life, I got lost. (laughs) (laughs) I've hiked in Nepal. I've hiked in Jordan. And I've hiked in Egypt. And I've hiked in all over. And I've never gotten lost. But it was the um, just south of Deadwood on Highway 85 there. Um, Cheyenne Crossing area? Just southwest of that, there's a trailhead. Hmm. And I'm looking, I'm used to, I was going to do a half hour walk because I've been down there early in the morning mm-hmm. uh, looking for mountain lions. Mm-hmm. And I stayed right outside of town there and I saw this trail every morning I come back. I said, I'm going to do that trail. So I thought, I'll hike up this hill for a half hour, I'll turn around and come back. No water, no food, nothing. So I go up the trail, half hour, sit down on a rock and look around for a while. Start going down the trail and it just doesn't look familiar. <laughs> no. I came to a corral kind of an abandoned corral, but there were mm-hmm. some cows in there. I said, I didn't see these coming up. <laughs> and I, and 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 at my age, I'm real careful hiking by myself because mm-hmm. you don't want to fall. Everybody around here worries about the snakes, worry about falling down and breaking something. So I'm I'm watching the trail as I'm going up, and I'd stop every once to look around. Long story, I went down there. I've never seen this corral. Went back up. Oh, there's another trail there. I went down that. This doesn't look right. Oh, and pretty no. soon I found, I realized... I don't know where I am. I've never had that sinking feeling in my life. But I've hiked all over. Wow. And when I started, it was about 62 degrees. When I got back to my car, three and a half hours later, it was 84 degrees. <laughs> and I was dragging. I bet. Oh, my goodness. I was going to ask, Lydia, I know sometimes you work at the desk here at the Visitor mm-hmm. Center, and we're in uh, July now, busy season. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... You guys are always very helpful and patient mm-hmm. with people, and sometimes I'm watching you guys waiting. And you ever get a question that's just, uh, I'm tired of answering that question. I mean, it's something that you oh. find annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's like, yes. Every day. Uh, every day, yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, for me, I try to remember, you know, even if we answer the same questions every single day and they're repetitive to us, for this person, it's their first time asking the question, you know, and they're just trying to get oriented to the park. Um, So, you know, I try to remember that and remember that, you know, we're there, we're here to help them um, have the best experience and the safest experience in the park that they can and educate them. Um, You know, I would say it's always helpful and I always appreciate it when people come to the desk having some sort of orientation already. Um, you know, maybe they've looked at a map, maybe they did a little bit of research before they came. And, you know, we're obviously here to provide them information. and I'm happy to do that. But it always helps when they have at least a little bit of an idea of kind of where they are and where they might like to go. Um, And sometimes we do have people that come up and they have absolutely no clue of where they are (laughs) or, you know, anything um, or, you know, kind of even where they are on the map. And, you know, that's fine, you know, or I'm happy to help, you know, kind of point them in the right direction. But I think just having a little bit of orientation and kind of an idea of what's in the park um, and kind of a general idea of what they might like to do can be helpful for us and it can also be helpful for them in kind of planning their trip um, as they're exploring. I think that's a really great point to make. I know that's kind of the reason why we started the podcast was just to inform people of what, like, so you have a little bit of a background 
Yes. You know, mm-hmm. on what you're coming to see. So I 100% agree with that. Um, okay. What is your must see in the Badlands for Visitors? What is one thing you say people should not miss? 100% not miss. Other than me, I've not. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's the main attraction. <laughs> um, I always like to tell people to, uh, if they have the time, to go up to Sheep Mountain. And I haven't been up there for a couple of years because I'm sort of saving it if I have people that I know that come to the park and take them up there because it's, well, you've been up there, it's spectacular. Right. So that's where I like to kind of send people. And I don't know how many, it's a road, it's a little rough, you know, it's a little, not a two-track, but any car can get you to the top. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a, it's supposed to be, you can see the Black Hills about 70, 75 miles away. And that's in the, the National Park? Yeah. Okay. It's just right before you exit the, or get down onto the Pine Ridge Reservation. Okay. Just south of Scenic. Okay. About scenic. 20 minutes or like that. Okay. And that road's seven miles one way, and it's spectacular. Now, next time you go there, you know, the old school that's in the backside of Scenic where they don't have school anymore? Yeah. That was my wife's first teaching job. Was oh, in that really? School. really? Yeah, she taught kindergarten, first, second, third, all in one room back in the early 90s and then um, she still um uh you know gets christmas cards and things from her former students and parents out that town has a population of 10 Mm. more like i think like two now and it did up until a year or so ago a couple years ago had a post office it's still there the post office is still there they were going to close it remember the postal system was going to close some of these rural small town post offices even they thought about the one here in interior Oh, wow. And so people made just a stink about that. Yeah. And I can't, it's hard to believe they kept that little post office yeah, yeah. open. Yeah, wow. it's. I was in Scenic one, earlier this summer, and it, the lady who runs that one is was a mom of students my wife taught. And so I walk in there and she'll say, hi, Jeff. I, I, I can't remember her name, but I yeah. believe it's Kathy, I think. And, yeah. But uh, anyway. All right, what about you? Yeah, um, sorry, what was the question? I get all favorite part of the park, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I went on the scenic tangent. Um, yeah, oh my goodness, there's so many parts in the mm-hmm. park. It's hard to pick yeah, just yeah. one. I mean, just... they're just all spectacular, and that's what I always tell people. And they're like, where's the best spot to see in the park? And I'm like, you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Just driving through the park, you're going to see so many amazing things. Um, I would say out in the park, I really like the Sage Creek Wilderness area, um, just exploring out there. It's beautiful. That's where our bison herd lives, um, the majority, mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, so it's a neat area for spotting wildlife, um, you know, prairie dogs, all sorts of things like to hang out near prairie dog towns. It's just a beautiful area. Some really nice overlooks out there, too. Right. A lot of people don't go out there because they're scared of the gravel road. Um, and the gravel is, it's really not a bad gravel road. It's well-maintained. Most vehicles can do it with no issues. Um, and it's worth just going out there a little bit and just taking a look, and you can always turn around. Um, other than that, my top thing, not outside in the park, but actually in this visitor center, would probably be the fossil lab, uh, the paleontology lab. Right. Um, as far as we know, we're the only paleontology lab in the park service where you can actually go in and talk to the paleontologist as you're as they're working. Generally speaking, a lot of paleontology labs and most of the rest in the park service, the paleontologists are in a you know room behind glass, so mm-hmm. you can see them, but you can't interact with them. And here, they have their working chamber set up where they can put their hands in and work on the fossil, um, but then they can be out, and you can actually go into the room and talk with them, see what they're working on, and interact with scientists and park rangers. Yeah. Um, and that's super and they, neat. And they've always been very friendly, willing to share, even when it's crowded. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a big hit. It's it a, is. It's yeah. a big hit. I've had people come in. We were here nine years ago. 
And we came back to like, can't believe it. Right. They come in there. I had a people come in last summer and they said, I remember you. You were here three or four years ago. Wow. I said, yeah, I've, I've never left this room. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff took me in there when today when we were waiting on you know everything to close up and to meet with you guys. And there was a couple ladies in there working. And one lady was, she was just so, like, she you could tell she had so much passion for what she was doing. She was showing us all kinds of, all kinds of stuff and telling us all, like, really yeah. neat facts. So, yeah, yeah I was, tried to walk away. She dragged me back. I was, hey, you're going to listen to me. So. <laughs> Sounds like Lex. Yeah, I think it was. It was. It's my birding buddy, Lex. Yeah. Oh, serious yeah. bird watcher. <laughs> yeah. so, favorite parts in the park here, and I know listeners are going to get tired. Every, everything we do, I say, well, you want to go early. You want to go early in the morning. Yeah. Avoid the crowds. But... When I come in, Pinnacles in the morning is great. But just down from there on Sage Creek Road mm -hmm. is the uh, grassy table overlook. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, because I don't want to take our vehicles down those gravel roads very often. But I say, well, you got to see this. And yep. down there, and it's just the morning light on that is, oh. it's gorgeous. Oh, okay. <laughs> so i got to tell you a story here, Paul. So uh, a previous podcast, I was talking about, I had these six ladies, East Coast somewhere. And they, they made me smile because when... I came up, you know, from Wall, came over, and when that lady saw the pinnacles in the morning light, she's, oh, my God, look at that. That is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. So she, these, all of them talk like that, and it was great. But it was 110 that day, and every stop, I would roll down the windows on the van because it's so hot, and she would say, hey, my purse. And I said, oh, it's South Dakota. Nobody's going to steal your purse. And she was, like, having none of that. And she would, every place would stop, she's carrying it like a fullback. So we get here to Ben Rifle Visitor Center, and we had lunch over at the picnic tables. And they, and they were showing the movie in those days, and they went in to see it. We're cooling down, and she comes and finds me. And she says, oh, my God, my purse is gone. And I said, well, uh, you, you had it. Oh, I went in the bathroom. I shut it down. It's gone. I said, well, let's go over to the desk. And I don't remember who it was. It was 2016. And I said, excuse me. She lost her purse, and somebody, and it may have been you, reached down there and and she's, oh, my God. She rifles through this purse. Nothing is missing. And she says, oh, my God. I love North Dakota. I said, that's great. But this is South Dakota. And so, well, anyway. And, and we love Joyzy. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so. Okay, I have another question for you guys. So, in the recent years, national parks have seen a huge increase in visitors. And not all visitors are respectful of the of the park. So what's one thing you would like to tell visitors about being good stewards or respectful of this national park? Uh, one of our park rangers, Ranger Ed, uh, likes to say, and I like this analogy, to treat the park like you would your house or your friend's house. Um, so you're not going to leave trash in your friend's house. You're not going to set your friend's house on fire. Um, you're not going to vandalize your friend's house with graffiti. Um, so it's just kind of following those principles of you know, kind of like the golden rule of, you know, treat somebody how you want to be treated, but for the landscape instead. Right. Um, you know, how you would treat your community and where you live, um, extend that to the natural landscape. Um, because it's yeah. here, you know, the goal of the National Park Service is for people to be able to enjoy these lands, but also for us to preserve and protect them. Mm -hmm. um, and we need the help of visitors to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes people don't realize, like, when they take rocks or 
you exactly. know, things like They're that like, it's, it's just one. And people don't realize that it's not just one. It's cumulative. You know, if you're, you take something and pick it up and put it in your pocket and take it home and then someone else does that and then someone else does that and someone else does that, the resource is eventually going to disappear. Um, right. And a, a great example of that was a uh, Fossil Cycad National Monument, which was in this area. It was one of the few national park sites that's ever been decommissioned um, because um, all of the petrified wood and material that was there was taken away. It was taken by researchers. It was taken by people. And then there was nothing there anymore to have um, a monument. Um, So that's a great example of how important it is to keep these things here, especially in the case of fossils, um, which is one of our main resources here. These animals are never going to live again on Earth. They truly are an unrenewable resource. Um, And each one of them, you know, it lived and died, and we're only going to have one copy of its remains. And for things to be preserved as fossils is already incredibly rare, where we have a really unique situation here at Badlands that we have so many that are these puzzle pieces to ancient environments. And so, you know, we want to preserve and protect as many of those puzzle pieces as we can so we can share that with everybody because it's supposed to belong to everyone, the American public. Um, And, you know, if those get taken away, then we'll never be able to put those clues together. Right, exactly. I'm so glad you mentioned all of that. I think that's so important. And like like you said, like people just don't think about it. They don't it. think about yeah. it, no. And I, the thing about our visitor site report program, which is so awesome, you know, that people come and report them, they get on the wall, they get the patch, is that, you know, people that might not have known otherwise because we're doing such a good job of educating them, you know, mm-hmm. most people want to help out. They want to contribute to science. They want to contribute to, you know, the, the country as a whole and our overall knowledge. And so they're happy to participate in that once they know how to. So those are the people that might have otherwise, you know, put it in their pocket and take it home. They're right. now telling us about it instead, oh. which is great. Yeah, that is yeah. great. Okay, every national park has a list of things to prepare for. So what would you like to tell our listeners about how to prepare for a day or a few days in this park? Well, it all depends on the weather. You know, we get some pretty turbulent weather out here on occasion. And um, just, you know, have, if you're going to be hiking, obviously good hiking shoes, but nothing's required. I, people ask, you can hike barefoot at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> if you please want don't. to. <laughs> yeah, please don't. But if you want to, you can, you can hike barefoot in the middle of the night if you want. Yeah. And so watching the weather, and when it gets hot, a lot to drink. And I'm just a firm believer, I have been all my life, in good shoes. Mm-hmm. You see people out there in flip-flops. I kid you not, flip-flops. Yeah. Don't do it. And then I tell some people on occasion that after rain, you know, they say, oh, is it, was the trail going to be muddy? Well, it poured last night, it's going to be muddy. And then I'll right. say, well, if you don't want your boots to get muddy, take them off and hike barefoot. <laughs> and sometimes they think I'm serious. Well, I sort of am. If you want to, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. But the weather, the water, and everybody worries about the snakes. That is the last, last safety concern you have in the park. It's falling down and getting hurt. We have two or three pretty good major rescues a year. Okay. And then a sort of broken arms, broken legs that aren't a big, big, big deal. But sometimes we get, eh, maybe not once a year, but we get a helicopter from Rapid City. The hospital has mm-hmm. got to cart somebody out because they got to get out of here now. Mm-hmm. And so it's the falling down and the heat and the water and, 
and I tell people don't worry about the snakes. If you see one, just walk yeah. around it. But it's gonna, it's gonna. No, it's not. Just walk around yeah. the snake. It's, it's not, not gonna chase you. <laughs> I mean, we do have rattlesnakes out here, but they're really shy. I mean, I, I oh. ran into one. We stopped to look at some sheep a couple springs ago, and I said, "Well, we can walk over here." And the guy. He said, what is this? And I said, oh, just back away. And it was a rattlesnake. And then his daughter, adult daughter, she was, I want to see it. And I said, well, you can come this close. But yeah. rattlesnakes are pretty shy. They don't well, want to mess with you. Half the time, you don't even know if they're alive. Right. Yeah. Seriously. They're just laying there in the sun. They're just laying there. It's yeah. the bull snakes. I don't know. They're like. very aggressive. They're big. They're huge. They get aggressive. They're not venomous. Yeah. But they yeah. will come. I had a video taken right here in town in front of the post office. It came at me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was huge. And they, the, the bull snakes look similar to me yeah. to to the rattlesnakes, and she and I were out hiking near my home a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and she, she so oh, there's a snake. It was, but it was much much bigger than rat. I mean, it was a good five feet. Mm-hmm. Oh, huge yeah. huge oh, bull, snake. bull snake. Yeah. But they're non venomous, but yeah. they can be aggressive. Yeah. So, anyway. I'd love to go a little bit off of what Paul was saying, mm-hmm. safety wise. Um, and as one of our people that has to go out and get people um, if they get injured, because I'm on our search and rescue team here, um, I will say please don't walk barefoot in the middle of the night like Paul was saying you can do you can but please it's don't I, I have to come get you <laughs> um so but um I, I would say you know exactly to reader what Paul was saying um some of our biggest injuries are twisted ankles broken legs things like that from not wearing good footwear ankle support is a huge thing and just generally watching your step uh, this stuff is very crumbly mm-hmm. uh, and people don't realize that um, so it can be you can kind of ha- it can be hard to get footing um, and it's easy to slip and fall that's 100% your biggest worry out here is slipping and falling so wear yes. good shoes watch your step um, just wear good clothes in general a lot of people are used to hiking out east and places like that where there's trees there's water yes. we don't really have much of that to come by out here yes. um, so the heat really sneaks up on people Having good layers is really important, good sun protection, um, and bringing more water than you think you'll need. Exactly. It's yeah. always good to have more and not need it, and then need it and not have it. Right. Um, so we recommend at least a gallon of water per person per day um, at a minimum to be carrying with you if you're going to be out there longer. So. Good. I'm so Yeah, that's a great point to make because, you know, we were talking a little bit I think before the podcast started and hiking in East Tennessee and then you take a 20 ounce bottle of water with you and you're okay. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's, you know, it's people, not that necessarily people are being like negligent or they just don't know. They just don't know. And it's, it's very different in different environments and the Badlands are a very extreme environment. You know, that's how Mm -hmm. they got their name. Um, But it's, it's a very difficult terrain if you're not prepared for it. It can be awesome and you can very easily have a safe and fun time in the Badlands. You just have to be prepared for it being very different from a lot of places in the world right another point we should make for the visitors is you can't always count on your phone to work no (laughs) in fact don't bet your bottom dollar on your Mm -hmm. telephone working because sometimes they do sometimes they don't and you get hurt i tell these guys as you go out the way the boondocks i said especially these guys are alone yeah you know men and women they go out there alone i say hey be careful because you break your ankle or you get a little lost or something like that. You can't count on your phone for somebody to come and find you. That may work. It may not work. And there's many, we can tell you stories that people, phones don't work. And 
I got to crawl back here, huh? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I always recommend if you're doing some serious backcountry exploring, first of all, it's always good to take a buddy. I always, yeah. you know, just on principle, recommend yeah. not doing super long trips in the backcountry alone. Um, but, you know, having a GPS spot device to be able to send off a message um, if your cell phone's not working is great. If you're going to be out overnight, you know, that's definitely a good extra backup protection to have. Okay. So generally, I, I mine are short hikes, so I tell people, yeah. hey, mm-hmm. the ground is all wet there. Don't stay either on the gravel or yep. <laughs> here or there you're gonna have a shoe full of goo yep <laughs> in certain places so the door trail's nice because a lot of that is harder rock. it's very yeah it's and, that and, harder and it drains zone. off pretty yep. good there second thing if if your older fellow like me and the hair that you once had isn't there anymore hats beside hats. the sunscreen <laughs> yeah. is really good protect that nose and sunglasses yes. sunglasses always, always. you can so bright. burn your eyeballs i yes. had it once and it was yeah. terrible oh gosh <laughs> i can't even imagine um when we when Jeff and I were driving in today. We noticed the prairie wind overlook. Yes. What? We were Okay. <laughs> that is one. I, I said it to her. I said, okay, I've stopped at every one of those. I don't get this one. What? I mean, all of them have an overlook or this, and I get it. Well, this there's one. a boardwalk that goes out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's just literally a view, and I've been out there a long time. And there's, I don't know if there's any signs out there. There is, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but it's a view. You're looking north. And the view of just the unbroken, pure, never plowed prairie. Okay. It's quiet. It's a boardwalk the whole way. I've seen people out there in wheelchairs. And you go out there, and it's quiet, and it's just prairie. And okay. then there's some exp- explanations. I go by there a lot, and I don't see many cars. I don't think I've ever seen three or four cars there at one time yeah. in yeah. the summer. But it's a neat spot. I recommend people go out there. You know, if you're a bird watcher, you get out there in the morning and you see a lot of stuff out there. And um, I've liked prairie winds. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. I think the idea of it is to kind of give people an idea of what a good majority of the country would have looked like at one yeah. point. We've lost so much of our natural right. mixed grass prairie and prairie ecosystems mm-hmm. as a whole throughout the whole country. Um, and it's just kind of to get people to conceptualize that that would have been a good majority of the American West at yeah. one point in time. Mm-hmm. And I think they do have a little sign there talking about um, invasive plants and some of the efforts of our invasive plant removal crews here in the park mm-hmm. to try to keep that natural prairie ecosystem preserved as much as possible because you know we're one of the few places in the country where that is preserved and is still around mm-hmm. so and it's not you know maybe as majestic as the formations you know that's what people tend to focus on and you know obviously I love right, the formations right. um, but it's such an important part of the ecosystem mm-hmm. and supporting all the life that's here in the park okay. so cool. I saw a couple out there drive by the other day like that and they were sitting at the little bench out there whatever sitting down there reading they're reading Oh, uh, yeah. Quiet yeah. and like this. The weather was great. They're just sitting there reading. Yeah. Perfect spot for that. Yeah. 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 Well, good question and better answer. All right. Do you have any hidden gems that you want to tell us? We won't let, we won't tell anybody <laughs> your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, don't know. I tell visitors a lot, you know, it's busy and hot this summer. Mm-hmm. And before I started working here, I would come out here right after Labor Day. Okay. The weather's still great. The crowds drop by about two thirds. Okay. Oh, at least schools are gone or saying, and we we have a little expression that 
we don't use in front of a lot of people, but after <laughs> Labor Day is when we get the newlyweds and the nearly deads. Because <laughs> we get the busloads of the seniors, mm-hmm. fine, and then we get the newlyweds. And the only trouble with that is probably here in some of the other parks is some of the programs are beginning to wind down because we will lose people here in August. Right. Oh, yeah. They're graduate students, they're teachers, some of them, they go, they go back to work. But Labor Day, right after Labor Day, in all the national parks except maybe Yellowstone, I, and that the weather's great, the animals are starting to move around, the trees are starting to change, mm-hmm. and the weather's usually really good, and it's a good time. It's quieter, less traffic, less kids, less buses, and it's other than a couple of the programs, you know, being cut back or whatever. The lodge over here is still open until I think the end of October, middle of October. But I tell people all the time, you're coming back again, and you want to get rid of all the crowds. And I used to come out two or three days after Labor Day. That's when I took my vacation. I drive out here. Oh, okay. Seems very quiet because Sturgis is over. Sturgis is over. The kids are gone, and. and for me, from Minneapolis, it's just an eight-hour drive, mm-hmm. and I gain the hour. Yeah, and I lose it going back. But great point, af- Right after Labor Day is a really good time to hit some of the national the western. I've been up there in Glacier in the end of September, seventy-five degrees. Yeah, you know, and the aspen trees are changing, mm-hmm. and the sky is blue, and perfect. That's the time to come out here. Okay. I think that's a good point. What about you? Um, I would say, oh, it's so hard to pick because. Everywhere in the park is magical. Um, but I would say maybe not a specific place, but just the ability to get off trail here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that has to be done responsibly and mm-hmm. wisely, but I think it is one of the things that makes this park so unique and so interesting mm-hmm. um, and that gives people the ability to maybe get really out in nature and, to, and into the park in a way that they haven't necessarily been able to before. Mm-hmm. Um, so just parking at any overlook, you know, as long as your car's in a designated parking lot, you can mm-hmm. go anywhere on foot. So just getting out a little bit wherever you feel comfortable with and just kind of exploring and taking the time to really look at things. You don't have to go too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always recommend, you know, go straight out and go straight back. Don't try to do any sort of loop or anything like that and get yourself lost. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, only go where you feel safe going. Um, but it's neat to really get out there and be able to look around and mm-hmm. see things up close and maybe get away from other people and just kind of take a minute and be immersed in nature. And that's, you know, goes for anywhere along the loop road. Just being able to see it from a different perspective is really neat. Yeah, that that is a very um, unique experience, yes. too, mm-hmm. because... Like you said, most national parks do not allow that. And you don't want to. No, yes, you don't want to. And and here we're pretty unique in that, you know, it doesn't hurt the park because these formations are so erosional. It doesn't mm-hmm. hurt them to walk on them. Mm-hmm. They're eroding away anyway. So, you know, that's important to know. That's, you know, that's kind of the reason behind why we allow it. Whereas other parks, it's very damaging to the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, it can be a lot easier to get lost in a heavily forested environment. Right. So. <laughs> yes. So, Paul, this is uh, a question I have for you. So, Jeff. Let me use your book, Images from the Prairie. Well, it is my book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to you want to talk about it? I mean, where can you find it? What um, is it? Well, um, I did it all last summer. Okay. I've been putting it off for a couple of years because I've always did it. I used to do a lot more photography. I just kind of gave it up. Mm-hmm. And I just started thinking about it. I gave it up. I figured, oh, I can't do it. Like, so last summer, I, st- I started doing it. And it's for sale here in the bookstore. And I'm not selling it anywhere else. I'm giving most of them away. 
Okay. You know, if somebody wants to give me a couple of bucks, uh, I mean, I'll never break even. Mm. And I had 250 printed in Minneapolis, and um, a friend of mine that used to work at the TV station, she's an artist, and she put it together for me. Um, uh, well, we did it together, uh, literally at our kitchen table. Mm. And um, she do the printer or whatever, and so I've been giving most of them away. Sent a lot to relatives or whatever. And Katie, who runs our bookstore here, has bought 30 from me, and she sells them in the bookstore. And it's not going to make the top 10 booksellers list. No, but, but it's, it's very unique. But it's, 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 it's my pleasure. Of the area. I was going to do the whole thing in color, in black and white. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and there's some photographs in there that are just uh, just look much better in color. Mm. And so I changed a few of them into, into color. And uh, everything was either shot in the park or in the nearby around the park. Mm -hmm. And I was very careful. There's no mention anywhere in that book or any sign, anything that says Badlands National Park. Okay. Sometimes there's some copyright issues right, yeah. and whatever. Mm -hmm. And when we did the movie Nomadland a couple mm -hmm. years ago, I couldn't wear my uniform. Mm -hmm. So the woman who does costumes or whatever you want to call it made me a little similar little thing. Just literally sewed it together. Here, put mm -hmm. this on. And that that was it. Um, so I just to keep the peace... And I know I know everybody here in the park and the administration. If I asked about it, they would probably say, "Nah, don't no worry about it, mm -hmm. just whatever." But then higher ups might say, "Hey, did he have permission mm -hmm. to shoot us, whatever?" And so I thought, "There's not one side." Two of the photographs, um, the people had a, a National Park Service logo. Mm -hmm. One of uh, uh, Mary from the lab mm -hmm. had a lab coat on, and mm -hmm. then one of the maintenance guys, yeah, uh, Luke, the tall guy. He had a T-shirt that said National Park Service. Mm -hmm. So I said to Mindy, my friend who put it together, she said, get rid of it. With her computer. <laughs> computer system was amazing. Mm -hmm. And she just did this, and we just got them out. So there's no mention or sign or anything that says mm -hmm. Badlands National Park. Because everybody that I know knows yeah. that I did it here. So, awesome. But, movie buff, he teed up the Nomad thing for you. I know. I love that movie. Um, I've, seen it, I've seen it twice. I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, and I when we met today, I recognized you from your hand. That was <laughs> <laughs> my Academy Award winning hand. Right. So and my watch. Don't know what we're talking about. The movie Nomadland won Best Picture in the Oscars 2020. And I I hate to break your heart here, Paul, but when I talk to about it to people on tour, 98 percent of people are like, "What are you talking about?" They yeah. never heard of it. It was in the middle of COVID. And it wasn't in the theaters. Mm -hmm. And then Frances McDormand, of course, we're like this now. Yeah, right. sure. we, we, we shared a dressing trailer. <laughs> and I was discreet. I didn't want to lose my job. And, um, and so uh, we did it here and um, during the COVID. And then it, when it was done, um, took about a year and a half for them to, to get it done. And then COVID was hit, so it didn't get in the theaters. Mm -hmm. um, but the, you know, they had the Academy Awards and Francis Wonder Award or whatever, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It right. was it was a lot of fun, and they did it, some of it here. And they Walt Drugstore, the hospital in Rapid City, and then they went down to Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. Da 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 da. Mm -hmm. and they moved to the West. Right. It's a true story. Right. Oh, it is. Oh, it's a true I story. I did not so know that. We're listeners here, so. About the middle of the movie, there's about 25 minutes filmed in the Badlands, and part of it's in Custer State Park and yep. Rapid City and so on. And I have to be honest, 
I only watched it on Netflix because it was the middle of winter and I was bored and I knew there was stuff from here. So I'm watching it and the very first scene that she was here, she's in scenic. She's in those old buildings there. And, and I, my wife, I said, hey, that's where you taught? And she's in my wife's and I said, yes, dear, you know, and kind of. But but then as we go through it, I, I texted him and I say, hey, Paul, have you have you seen this? And he says, I'm in it. And I'm like, well, hell you say. And I'm, I back up the movie. I'm like, I, I didn't see you. And he tells me the exact minute marker. And I'm like, I, I'm sorry, I don't see you. He goes, that's my hand. I'm handing out the brochure. <laughs> and like, my voice. Yes. Yeah, the movie starts in yeah, 20 Francis minutes. Francis and I were, were uh, literally face-to-face at the desk. So they're shooting behind her, and it was all lit. And I'm talking to her like I talked to a visitor. And there was no script. And I saw all these people doing this whole movie. I never, ever, ever saw one person look at a script. They may have, may have four, and Frances McDormand, I've got some pictures of her. You could just see her up at the door trail. We shot a scene up there. Yep. They shot a scene up there. And you could see her, uh, Chloe Chow, who was the, uh, the director, they would talk, and then Frances would just look away and just get, get in the vibe, just mm-hmm. get in the, in the zone. Mm-hmm. And then she'd turn around and like that. Wow. Sometimes it worked. Oh, let's a little bit make it a little bit faster. Slow it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Look over this way a bit. Just go right back. The nicest person, laid back. Oh, just call me friend. Like that. Just call me that. And uh, so then when they shot it here, my face was on it. So we were talking back and forth. So when the it was done, I talked to the producer. I kept track of her. Uh, uh, and she said, Paul, they cut your scene. <laughs> oh, okay. But then when the movie came out. My arm and my voice is, and she's talking to me. And they shot the door trail and they came down here. We didn't get out of here about 11.30 at night. And then they had a food truck out here. They fed everybody in the parking lot in the dark. Oh, wow. And then one of the staff and the stars and whatever went over to one of the buildings they opened up. They ate there. We ate in the dark out out there. But it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of, they paid me. I won't tell you how much they paid me, but they did pay me. Oh, cool. I don't think my wife wants to watch it because I'd say that's the door trail. That's this. That's uh-huh. it. oh, you know what? That's Coolidge Mountain. You know where the big where she sees the bison and she's yeah. in, that's right below Coolidge Mountain in yeah. Custer State Park. Yeah. So anyway, um, should we? I think I I've right. well a special all the thank questions you. I had, so. Special thank you to Lydia and Paul for sharing their personal insight in all things Badlands, Mako Sika, with us today. Whether you're a visitor that's coming here um, to visit or you're a resident of South Dakota, I feel very strongly, and this was reaffirmed by the thousands of guests I bring here, you're going to love it here. So it's gorgeous. It's so, gorgeous. So Roman, Lydia. Roman. Roman. All right. Thank you. Thank you both. Oh, thank, thank you. you. A lot of fun. Yes, it's been a, a lot of fun to be here with you guys today, and I appreciate you staying late to do this Absolutely. with us. So.